I can look back on this journey and, and say that this is one of the best things that has happened to me in my life. Um, and that's not something I think that's probably kind of surprising. Um, the reason is that it changed my life in such a profound way and it helped and fulfilled kind of a need that I have of really working on something that really matters. Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Mentorship Podcast. Uh, where you will hear stories from you know leaders from all over the world in the mentorship podcast vision and mission is to bring to you stories of how people have impacted other people so it's been an honor to be speaking with so many wonderful leaders uh, you know as part of our show and today i'm really honored uh, to speak with brooks bell who i've had the privilege to meet quite serendipitously at the ted conference in 2022 in vancouver where we were both part of a you know a dinner event and really enjoyed the conversation and uh, found her story to be incredibly inspiring so brooks uh, thank you so much for taking time to join the mentorship podcast uh, show today so glad to be here ravi thank you so who is brooks bell she's a wonderful human being to start with i really enjoyed the humanity because i did not know anything about her you know before i i felt her humanness her kindness but um, later on i found out she is a uh, an entrepreneur a very successful entrepreneur an early innovator in marketing analytics she founded a company you know by her own name brooks bell inc in 2003 and generated over 2.5 billion dollars for her clients fortune 500 clients over the next 18 years um i remember you have recently hand over the reins to a new ceo and a new leadership team to pursue your passion right uh, brooks that's right that's right i have a great ceo running the the shop now and and the company is doing great fantastic so in january 2019 brooks was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer at age 38 she completed 6 months of successful surgeries and chemotherapy treatments during that time she learned of the shocking rise of colon cancer in young people and even more crazy is that it is actually preventable so brooks immediately launched 50 colonoscopies under 50 kind of interesting uh, url there i would love to learn more about that and planned the first ever colonoscopy gala she now serves on several prominent boards in public health including the cdc foundation which is a 501c3 nonprofit foundation in the us congress actually and um, also on, on the board of research triangle foundation the colorectal cancer alliance and the duke rally hospital brooks is a, an advocate for building entrepreneurial communities and, so, and social impact in 2011 she co-founded rally founded the largest co-working community in raleigh north carolina with over 2000 members and i did not know this brooks that you're a native of alaska so i'm sure you love nature and uh, you know brooks now lives in raleigh north carolina with her husband and her silly ham terrier so you 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 have a pet as well yes his name is cecil so so brooks thank you so much for in, in being on the show tell me about your people that have impacted you early on uh, well, let me start with that because the show is all about being grateful to the people that have impacted us and uh, you, you have mentioned uh, dr gerald bell why don't we start with you you know paying your gratitude to him 
How did you meet him? And how did he shape you to become who you are today? Dr. Bell, he is this amazing leadership uh, coach and professor based in Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has taught many classes for many years uh, at UNC Chapel Hill and has interviewed over 100,000 leaders in his life, in his career. Um, He's in his 80s now. And uh, and I think that I've heard stories that he was, uh, when he was young, he did amazing things like he was on the team that helped select a new CEO for Coca-Cola. So he has amazing stories in his life and, uh, and has shared them widely. Uh, I met him when I was in my late 20s and just kind of a few years into running my company, uh, took one of his courses and it just changed everything I thought I knew about leadership at that at that time. And I went on to kind of get closer to him, get to know him. We get breakfast every year now. And uh, he continues to give me wisdom. I continue to bring him my my problems sometimes. And he feels to me like my actual grandfather. Amazing. So yeah, it's interesting. I, I didn't realize that he has the same last name as you. So is he is your grandfather like but not your real grandfather that's that's interesting you were in a, in his class and you heard great things about him and it is understandable that you found someone who's elder to you to go for advice and so on so what do you think about you that he took such active interest you know because people say ravi why would somebody you know be willing to mentor me what were your uh, traits or uh, habits or personality that made him take active interest in you? Because that's really key why mentees don't approach people for you know mentors. I'm not really sure, but if I had to guess, I'm pretty open. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I've always been kind of what you see is what you get, and I have lots of questions. I ask lots of questions, and I don't really worry whether or not those questions are dumb. I feel like if I have the question, other people have that question too. And um, so I'm not afraid to ask lots of questions. And I guess I'm not afraid to share some vulnerability with people because I feel like I, that is what I have to do in order to learn. If I want to fix something that I see as a problem in myself, I've got to share it. I've got to you know, seek help and be open about those sorts of things. And so Maybe that is um, that is what he saw in me. Being uh, eligible for mentorship is one of those things that most young people don't realize. And you have just highlighted a few things. You know, be open, be honest, uh, be uh, you know inquisitive to ask the right, ask questions. Don't worry about it, and be willing to to be vulnerable. You know, because everybody has challenges. And, and the more you open up and discuss those challenges, and uh, that's what gets a mentor to take a valuable and irreplaceable time from their life to help you and to help you flourish. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned uh, Dr. Bell interviewed 100,000 leaders. So uh, uh, has he written any books on, on this? Do you know? He is writing a, several books right now. He has many, many courses, and uh, I think he's been so busy running his courses. Um, he's never been able to sit down and actually get his books. He has so many things to say. So I think they're 
finally locking him in a room to get him to finish his books. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, yeah, all that wisdom and, uh, you know, legacy, uh, you know, should be captured. You That's know, because, right. You know, one of the things I do at Mentor Cloud and why I wrote the book, The Art of Mentoring, is because mentoring is wisdom sharing. And all of us are going to go underground or, you know, turn into ashes, depending on, you know, which heritage you come from. So we have to be sharing everything we know to the world and doing everything we can to, you know, let that have its own life even after you are gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, re- re- I'm really glad he's working on those books. You know, maybe we'll get an opportunity to talk to him and who have been his mentors, uh, you know, 80 or 60, 70 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad, you know, I'm sure you are in touch with him. You know, I'm a big believer in sending thank you notes to mentors, which I'm sure you're doing, but, you know, send him our best wishes and you know, good health to impact many more you know young leaders like you um you mentioned he really taught a lot of leadership lessons what were those leadership traits that you learned at such a young age of early 20s there's so many but kind of going back to vulnerability probably he was one of the first to teach me about vulnerability when i was first getting started in I had maybe 10 or 15 employees. I remember my thought about what I thought a a CEO should be um, was I thought that I was supposed to know everything, be invincible, always have the answer, always be confident. And and it, it backfired on me. And I remember there was a time when I heard through the grapevine that my employees were all planning on walking out on the same day, leaving me, quitting, because I was, they hated my leadership. And, uh, and of course, that's traumatic. <laughs> um, and when I, when I started to start to, and that spurred me to kind of get leadership coaching and to start to look inward. And that is when I realized that that is not the role of a leader, um, mm. that a leader leadership is not something that you are born with. It is not something um, it is something that you have to cultivate over time. Being a good leader is really about building your team and their leadership skills um, that you cannot do things by yourself. And also that you have got to be yourself. You've got to be authentic, that people can see you. I thought that I was hiding like all my, my weaknesses. And I thought I was pre- presenting myself as this, a, a strong person. A leader, yeah. 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 And uh, of course my team saw right through that and saw that I was being very inauthentic and uh, fearful and um, and I think once I became comfortable with the way to lead people is to be human, mm. uh, it it really it really changed how I connect with my team, and and it made also being a leader far far more fulfilling, much more fun. You know, being part of a a team, growing my team, enabling them, um, and learning from them constantly, uh, becoming much more consensus driven is uh changed everything in my career. Wow. Thanks for sharing because as I as I hear you, you know, I can see myself in you in, in some places because you know, I am that restless visionary leader who wants to get things done really fast and sometimes it's it has to be my way because I think I know it. 
And so I had to evolve myself as well, you know, um, and, uh, uh, you know, my team also thought that, you know, Ravi is impatient. He is not listening. And, and uh, you know, over time I had to, I have to tell them, guys, my impatience is a good thing for the company, but is, 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 is that good thing for the role that I'm, I'm playing to be a leader? So mm-hmm. it is very important for us to help other people become successful because you cannot do everything forever. So I had to go through the similar journey and I still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And I'm, I myself, I'm realizing uh, you can be visionary, but you have to be practical as well because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so thanks for sharing that. And, and I'm sure that uh, shift in your leadership style has contributed to, you know, Brooks Bell Inc. being so successful and, and still thriving like a, like a wonderful company with a with whole new leadership. One of the first um, kind of exercises that I remember Dr. Bell giving on the very first day is he had everyone in the class reflect on uh, and write down the qualities of the worst leader they had ever met, um, the, first, the worst boss they ever had. Mm. And how that boss made them feel, how that boss treated them, what that boss's behaviors were in detail. And so um, so we wrote it down, thought about it, talked it over. And then we had to do the opposite of write down, in contrast, what is our best boss's qualities? What are, what are they like? How do they treat us? How do they make us feel? What did we learn from them? It's as simple as that, basically, leadership, you know, is you want to be that really good boss yourself and learning from your really good boss. You do not want to be a bad boss or, you know, bad leader, a good leader. And so thinking about their behaviors or the behaviors that you want to emulate, I think it's a great, very simple way to think about it. And as you're thinking about mentorship, so many, I think one big theme is that good bosses mentor you and help you grow as a person. Beautiful. In fact, that's such a simple exercise, right? Because nobody wants to be a bad boss by choice. Now, there are some people who are bad by choice and there are very few in the world, uh, but 99% of the people are good people, well-intending people, but they, they may not be aware of the harm they're creating by not knowing, by not knowing that their behavior in a certain way is making the other people feel uncomfortable or you know underutilized or underrecognized and so on. So this exercise is great. You know, tell me what you think is, and then just look at the right column and then follow it. It's very simple. So I love the exercise and, and, uh, you know, thanks for connecting that to mentorship because every manager leader should be a mentor to really help you grow. Have you had other experiences of mentorship where you have been the mentor like Mr. Bell and, um, you know, shared some of your, uh, you know, wisdom with, uh, you know, other people younger or older than you. Any stories that come to mind? Yeah, I'm mentoring um, a young woman right now and she's in her thirties and she's in California. Mm. And I don't know if if she even knows I'm mentoring her. We haven't had a, you know, are you my mentor kind of conversation, but I see myself as her mentor and she emails me sometimes and um, I guess the reason that I feel that I'm mentoring her is we meet, we meet up for lunch. Um, she's quite a bit younger than me. I'm trying to open doors for her. Um, 
I, I've tried to open up a few doors for her and made introductions. I actually introduced her to Dr. Bell as an example, um, and just promoting her to different people that I know, uh, to, you know, it's, and, and then we, we talk and, you know, I just try to give her some advice and, you know, she asked me questions and I don't know what, but it's very casual, but I care about her, her success. And I think she has tremendous potential. And um, I just want her to know that I have her back and I'm here for her. I wrote the book, The Art of Mentoring and um, What Good Mentors Do in on page 43. I think you have a copy of my book. Um, number one is open new doors and expand possibilities. And you're absolutely doing that to your mentee. One of them is share and care. You mentioned that I really care about her and I have 14 traits. And you said she asked to get questions. So number 14, I say, be a sounding board. So when she's asking questions, you're just being that uh, uh, trusted advisor and a human in, in her life that she can ask those questions. And then based on your wisdom, you can essentially offer her a, a perspective. So you are mentoring her, whether she thinks so or not, because that's what it, true mentorship is a good human connection. You caring for her and she trusting you is really what makes a great mentor-mentee interaction. So thank you for being a mentor along with being mentored because to be mentored means you have to be open, right? So which, which is what you told about. I want to shift gears to your uh, incredibly inspiring story. How a, a crisis uh, of you know, being diagnosed with you know, colon cancer at such a young age. Tell us more and most people would, would say, take care of themselves, you know, and then continue on with their life. But you said, if this is preventable, and if there is something I can do, you, you know, hand over the reins of your company to somebody else and take this as your life's cause, which is incredibly inspiring, Brooks. Tell us more about it. I just had my three-year cancer diagnosis anniversary earlier this year. So it's it's still fresh in my mind. And fortunately, I'm cancer-free now. I'm so happy. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, me too. Now that I'm from this privileged place of being cancer-free, I can look back on this journey and, and say that this is one of the best things that has happened to me in my life. Um, and that's not something I think that's probably kind of surprising. Um, the reason is that it changed my life in such a profound way and it helped and fulfilled kind of a need that I have of really ha working on something that really matters up until this point, you know, I've learned so many things, you know, about, I mean, I've enjoyed leading people. I've enjoyed learning how to be a leader. I've enjoyed learning how to build a company. I've enjoyed, I've learned so much about building a company, but eventually my learning just trickled down to, you know, to very little. And, um, and I wasn't as inspired as I have been in the past in solving the problems that I was solving. I'd solved many of the same problems in analytics over and over again for many years. And, you know, it was great, but not, I don't know. I just felt like I could do more. And, but I had no idea what that could be. I had, mm -hmm. I tried a bunch of different stuff. I was focusing on, um, I joined a board for uh, a, a girls' high school, thinking maybe I could inspire young women. Uh, I did some uh, board, joined a board in modern slavery to think maybe slavery is modern slavery and and uh, and trafficking is 
something I could focus on. But neither of those really like inspired me in the way that I expected them to. They weren't personal. And so to get um, cancer and then to, it gave me the opportunity to learn about it in a really deep way, deeply care about it, and have a story um, to have that major challenge, have so much meaning from it. And to be given a cancer that is just a very special cancer, that is, um, it is a huge cancer. It's so common, it's much more common than people realize. It is so deadly. It's one, it's the second most deadly cancer in the world. Uh, more people, second people, most deadly cancer. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know that at all. They do not know that. Um, because we only talk about breast cancer, lung cancer, and prostate cancer, you know, and other ones, smaller ones, but those are the big ones that we think about. Um, and, and colon cancer actually kills more people each year than breast or prostate cancer. And so it's, it's actually worse than the ones we think about. So it's, so it's this huge cancer. Um, so it has a massive impact on families everywhere. And awareness is very low. Um, because people don't talk about it, there's a huge stigma associated with with your gut. Um, it's because we don't use the word colon in our day to day life. Mm. We just don't. It's not in our awareness, and so it raises twenty million dollars a year from private philanthropy in total. In total, twenty million, <laughs> 20 million compared to like eight hundred million for for breast cancer. It's so that as an entrepreneur, I saw that as just an impact, an opportunity for impact, a huge, it's one of the biggest diseases that no one even is, is aware of. And then um, to make it even more interesting, it is skyrocketing in young people and it has a massive disparity in uh, minorities, particularly um, African-Americans. And, uh, and it is, as you said, preventable. So, you know, there's a lot of cancer. Most cancer is not preventable. And that is why it's so sad and so scary. You can't do anything about it. Um, you just have to hope you don't get it and you hope you catch it early if you do. But can't, But colon cancer is different um, in that you can do something about it to actually avoid getting it. And it's not even, you might be thinking, oh, well, it's probably living a clean life, becoming vegetarian, you know, not drinking, um, staying thin, like, or not, not smoking, all, all those things that people really enjoy doing, um, eating, eating burgers and, uh, the kind of stuff that a lot of people are not willing to stop doing. Um, all that stuff is helpful, but with colon cancer, what prevents it is also a procedure. Mm. So you can actually continue to do all of those guilty pleasures and still prevent it. Um, and the procedure is, um, drum roll is a colonoscopy, which of course, you know, is a little bit of a downer. We all know colonoscopy. We've heard of colonoscopies before. And, um, but people, and if people think it's invasive and hassle, something to avoid, but I think, and we talk about it being those things. Um, but we don't talk about the fact that it actually is a very powerful procedure it is not just about finding out if you have cancer. It actually prevents you from getting it in the future. Mm. Um, and let me just finish that thought of why it prevents it. The reason it prevents it is because colon cancer has a precancerous state called a polyp. 
And it can, you basically all colons cancer start as a little polyp, which is like a little skin tag. You know, it doesn't really, you don't feel it has no symptoms. It just sits there and slowly grows over up to a decade. Um, one and polyps are very common by your mid forties. Uh, about 37% of people have at least one polyp in their, in their gut by their mid forties. And, um, and with a colonoscopy, they go in, they find your polyps and then they snip them out while they're in there. So you wake up, if they found a polyp, it's gone. They took it out. So you are polyp free when you wake up. And that's why colonoscopy is special and different from every other type of screening. And I, when I learned that, um, I just felt like I needed to tell everyone I know the difference of like why colonoscopy is so special and why we should be going in to get our first colonoscopy is at our first opportunity, um, to find out if we have a polyp and have them taken out. Um, I had three polyps. One was already a tumor. The other ones were on their way. And, um, I've had since my cancer, I've had they found more, four more polyps in my colon, taking them all out. And so um, it's very important for me to continue to get that. Um, and I just, I want everyone else to be as curious about whether or not they have polyps. You know, after our meeting at, at TED, uh, I, I returned my ColoGuard kit. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it was you know, sitting in my house because our doctor was since I crossed 50. But what you're telling me now is that ColoGuard is not, it's not going to remove a polyp, right? It's, it's not. No, so, not. in fact, all the physicians should say, hey, don't do Cologuard. Go to colonoscopy because not only it is, it is looking, if it finds a weed, like, like, in the, like a gardener does, chop it off right away. Uh, wow, that's a big, big uh, you know, takeaway in, in, your, in, in the message today. And uh, But why is it that uh, in spite of it being number two, there's nobody's you know, raising uh, um, unless uh, this is what God has you as your cause uh, for, for, for you. You are, you know, Brooks is designed for, for this battle. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like I was picked in some way. I'm not religious, but I feel like I just feel like I have this, this message that I have to share with people. And I, because now I, have the story of having gone through it to cancer. And I really understand that this is not something anyone wants for themselves or for their loved ones. Um, And this is something we can actually get in front of and avoid. Um, I just, I feel like, and I feel like I have the skills with having run my company in analytics and marketing and psychology to actually figure out a way to get this message across. And honestly, it's, um, it's, I think it's kind of weirdly exciting for me to try to talk people into getting colonoscopies. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's, no. it's hilarious. It's a, it's like a very difficult thing to do. And I feel like um, it's a, I just, I feel like it's a, a really fun and interesting challenge to, to take this very serious thing yet kind of funny, awkward thing and, um, and try to bring them together and to drive action. Yeah, no, I I think it's it's partly because of uh, you know awareness as well because uh, I mean I I I read regularly I mean I have a PhD and I'm very active in you know being that uh, you know knowledge acquirer but I personally did not know that colonoscopy also treats polyps That's I right. thought it was one of those investigative things it'll just tell me but but the process involves the removal 
is is just a simple but very profound thing to inspire people to get it done. Uh, That's right. The doctor, it's, like, it's like the COVID test versus a COVID vaccine. You know, the Cologuard is like a COVID test to tell you if you have the disease to, right now. Yes. Whereas it's like a, a, it's not a vaccine. You know, co- colonoscopy doesn't actually pre- prevent, protect you, but a colonoscopy does like kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think th- this is a big, this is a big distinction. I, I, our doctor did, gave me a choice and I wish he didn't. Mm-hmm. Is, is that where most of your awareness campaigns are like telling the doctors don't give the choice? I'm happy that Cologuarded exists because it, it does help. Um, it helps people who are resistant to get a colonoscopy, get one eventually. If it has a positive result, then it will be very persuasive for someone to get it and it will save lives. Um, because catch it does also catch it early, and that's very important if you do your Cologuard, you know, when you already have it. Um, what I don't like about Cologuard is that it mud- muddles the message, and um, and they are trying. It is it, it the message is already muddled. No one knows that colonoscopy prevents it, and so once we have this good this alternative that's much easier than getting a colonoscopy that is appears to be equal of course people will go in that direction and um and cologuard is rapidly growing they have massive marketing budgets they're trying you know it's in their interest to continue that confusion that market confusion for as long as possible it's good for their business and so um you know i'm very ambivalent about cologuard it, it will ultimately be it will save lives in the short term but it, but there will be millions of people who get Cologuard who have a polyp today that will not not be detected and will one day probably become cancerous. Uh, that could have uh, been out. because Cologuard itself doesn't may not catch the polyp. It only it catches only, the presence it, of a cancer or not. It will. It detects um, a large polyp that is on the verge of bursting at about. 50-50 is about half the time it will tell you you have it. So it does help if you have a very large, nasty looking mm. polyp. But if you have a medium sized one or a small one that might become cancerous in, you know, 10 years, um, it won't detect those. And also, even if you have a large one, it's only 50% chance that will detect that. And, and if you have a large one and you're it did not detect it, then you really are at pretty severe risk for getting um, cancer in the, the next few years. You're a pioneer in, in analytics, so I'm assuming you're using data to to uh, source, you know, sort of, you know, create this awareness, right? Uh, what kind of data are you presenting now uh, in in your campaigns? I'm very lucky. I think um, my business is in analytics, and but we on top of that, we also did what's called A/B tests. They're marketing um, tests that will. Uh, look at um, basically compare different versions of a website to each other and see which one works better. And so what's, that's very similar actually to the way we structure clinical trials. And so with clinical trials, we also take two different interventions and measure them against the same set of data. So having, having clear understanding of AB tests helped me really learn how to read academic papers around clinical trials and all the data that's in there. So the, um, so I've read so much, so many clinical trials, so much data in this space and, um, and there's a lot of it and it's kind of calling through all of it to, 
to I pick out the the data that is um, that is useful, but also just understanding the context of the systems. You know the you know there's so there's you know just understanding like how to read Cologar's data and their presentations and um, and how to think about that with like there's a bunch of blood based um, tests that are coming up and think about that compared to um, the, you know, the, all the data around, I mean, there's a lot of data around colonoscopies themselves. And I don't know, it, it has, it's a fascinating thing to get, to get really, to, I'm, I'm trying to build, get a little bit of a, learn a little bit about a lot of stuff in the whole arena of gut health. So I can answer really any question related to why I should get a colonoscopy. Fantastic. And, and uh, at what age do you recommend now based on your research and your experience at what age should somebody go or are there any symptoms that, that they should look for, uh, which tells them to go to the doctor and say, please recommend a colonoscopy because mm-hmm. insurance industry, unless the doctor says, yes, you cannot go and no, yeah. right. Yep. Um, about the official guideline uh, was reduced to, to age 45 about a year ago. So oh, okay. about now you should be able to get a colonoscopy started at age 45 that should be very inexpensive. So if you're 45, you have no, and you're at private insurance, you have no excuse. You should go ahead and call your gastroenterologist today and get on the calendar. Um, the, if you are under the age of 45, then it's much more complicated. Um, I of course got colon cancer at 38. So I have a bias towards younger people. Um, if you, if you're under the age of 45, you have some choices. You, if you find a doctor who will um, support you, and if you have a bunch of cash sitting around that you have nothing else to do with, you can buy one. You know, you can pay cash. It's probably about two thousand dollars on average. Um, so you always have that as an as an option. You just have to kind of persuade your doctor to put in the order. Um, if you don't have a couple thousand dollars to spend on this, then you have to show that you are uh, high risk and deserve kind of someone to take a look at it. And the way you show that you are high risk or know that you're high risk is that you either have a symptom, a serious gut health symptoms like blood in your stool and blood in your stool that should maybe be for a little bit longer than a couple of days Um, because a hemorrhoid is very common and it's also blood in your stool. So blood in your stool, it sticks around. If you have that, then you should absolutely directly call a gastroenterologist and talk to them. Um, another, or if you think you have colitis or just consistent changes in your bowel habits, that's another reason to have a conversation. Um, or anemia is another reason. Mm. Anemia could mean that you have a tumor that is bleeding in your gut and causing that, um, loss of blood, um, or a lot of pain in your, in your gut is another thing. So, and then the other thing is if you have family history, uh, if you're, if your parent had colon cancer, um, or a sibling, um, and, or if they had a large polyp that also counts. So talk to your family about whether or not they actually got a colonoscopy and have ever found a really large polyp in their gut, even, even though if it didn't uh, result in colon cancer. You know, here is a, a highly analytical, successful entrepreneur, you know, sharing her wisdom. So you're actually mentoring us, right? Mentorship is transfer of wisdom. So you have learned a lot. 
And now you're saying, let me mentor the world and make them aware of how this number two causing, you know, cancer causing or the number two cause of death um, mm-hmm. is preventable if you just follow this uh, in a few instructions. So I will encourage every, uh, when I post this, that if you're over 45, you must listen to this podcast. If you're under 45, you must listen to this podcast. So <laughs> it covers the entire world. So we get your, we get your message out. Um, really excellent practical insights. You know, nothing to be, you know, feel ashamed of because, you know, gut is such an important element in our, in our existence that, uh, you know, it is a part of our, our living. So um, I, the, the fact that you're trying to destigmatize it is it's 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 you know really uh, interesting and for you to pick up this battle you know like you know in my school uh, when i was going into elementary school back in india every every day somebody was you know selected to ring the bell so the thought that came to me was you you know god has picked you to ring the bell no pun intended or pun intended rather to ring the bell on this very important cause and um, it takes a lot of guts again pun intended to to do this um so the fact that you said okay on to my next company to make this your next company is is uh, extremely inspiring um brooks um so bringing back uh, how can we help you how can the audience listening to this or how can i help you with your cause i think just having helping me get the word out is you know is the main way that you can help me the way the audience can help is by taking the advice and getting a colonoscopy. That's all I want. Um, everyone, and then, then, and that they can ask their friends if they've gotten a colonoscopy, ask their parents, if they, if they're young, if you're under the age of 45, definitely talk to your, your parents, make sure that they understand this and that they are up to date on, um, on their colonoscopy. If they want to encourage their, their parents to listen to this podcast, um, that's something they could do. So, I think it's just helping me get the word out that there is a very important reason to get a colonoscopy um, to help battle and prevent this very scary and very real disease. Wow. Absolutely. I encourage all the, all the listeners to do exactly what Brooks said. So who is mentoring you on this, on this, in this war? Do you have someone who's actively guiding you and uh, helping you with your campaign and with your messaging? I'm just well, I, I'm very grateful to the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, um, their CEO, Michael Sapienza. Um, they are great partners in this. I mean, I definitely could not be doing this work um, on my own. Uh, they are the largest colorectal cancer specific charity in the world. Mm. And um, they have a great team and a big community. So I'm on the board and um, I work closely with the CEO, you know, all the time. And they've given me huge support and platform to help kind of get this word out. Fantastic. And you also mentioned uh, early on uh, as a um, you know, statistic that only $20 million of philanthropy goes to fight this disease. So I encourage all the listeners, if you are, if you are a philanthropist or if you're part of a foundation, Encourage, encourage them to take a look at CDC Foundation and I, I'd be happy to connect you to Brooks so that let's make the 20 million, 200 million at least, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to, to begin with 
because it's all about you know creating awareness campaigns so that we can we can extend human human life and with that human life comes their ability to contribute to human sustenance and the planet sustenance right so yes. um yeah, and, and it would be i think and thank you for putting that out there i i think what they could do is the cdc foundation is support some incredible programs within the cdc including the colorectal cancer control program mm. uh, and then the colorectal cancer alliance which is a different uh nonprofit they are dedicated fully to colon cancer and then they have different programs within screening and prevention which is sort of my area uh and caring a uh, caring par- pillar where they care for patients who have colon cancer and fighting the fight right now and then what they call cure which is really about research and focusing on increasing access to clinical trials uh, and and uh funding early stage ideas to create a better pipeline for research for colon cancer and so those are would be two great choices um for the for people in your audience to direct their their support fantastic fantastic we will do Brooks, is there anything I I didn't you I didn't ask you that I should? No, I think I think the key message is that colon cancer is massive. It is preventable. Um, One hundred and fifty thousand people don't have to get it, and the fifty thousand people don't have to die. Uh, and that colonoscopies is the best way to prevent it. Really, the only way to truly prevent it. And uh, everyone should get a colon. colonoscopy the moment they turn 45 fantastic what a wonderful piece of advice from the brooks bell who fought this disease and now fighting the 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 war to to get many people to be aware of this and uh, you know lead healthy and 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 in you know, longer lives so brooks thank you so much for for being on our show on the show and uh, and really picking a cause for extending humanity uh with with uh, with with you know with your work to prevent colon cancer thank you so much and uh, as an entrepreneur again you are you are also very inspiring you have a great story of building a great company so continue to mentor entrepreneurs and continue this the this uh, awareness campaign to prevent deaths that are really preventable so thank you so much for being on the show thank you ravi so glad to be here So to those of you listening uh, thank you for joining the mentorship podcast with Brooks Bell we'll see you on the next episode you know continue to you know find mentors in your life and if you have experiential wisdom as a student or early career or entrepreneur or a retired professional take time to mentor other people because mentoring is all about human connection and seeing each other flourish and uh, that is how we can create a better connected and uh, thriving world Thank you all be a mentor and find a mentor thank you this is Ravi Gundlapalli founder of Mentor Cloud and the author of the art of mentoring thank you and see you again on the next show This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.